Hey guys, this is James. And Greg. We're the co-hosts of the Sports Dance Podcast, a weekly podcast recapping all the news, sports, daily fantasy, and anything else you can want to know in the sports world. If you like blazing hot sports takes, you like a little bit of humor, maybe a little bit of murder. No, just kidding. All sports. But follow us, uh, Greg. On Twitter at SportsStands underscore. You can follow James at SportsStandsJ. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, we got it all. At Boom. the SportsStands. And, you know, just check us out. You're going to love what we bring to the table. Every single week, hot takes, nothing less. The Sports sports Dance. Hey guys, welcome to the Sports Dance Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Cowan. And with me, sadly, not today... Is James Petrosky. He's a little under the weather, so you know he's taking a week off. That's fine. Best wishes, James. Feel better. But for now, you just have me, and that's all right, because I'm still going to give you all the sports stance needs that you have. We're going to be talking about a little bit of football, and I'm basically going to be covering the MLB playoffs, if I remember how to talk correctly. So we're just going to get right into it. You know, we're going to do a little football. This episode's not going to be long. It's going to be like 20, 25 minutes at the most, because after a while, you're going to get a little bit of bored listening to me. And just talking, 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 talking. Because trust me, my voice is going to get tired. I know it. You know it. It's going to be all right. We're going to get through it together, though. So, to kick it all off, this week we are going to get to the NFL. And the NFL had, you know, an interesting week four. You had everything from blowouts in London to all the way to bad beats in Kansas City. I mean, if you were a gambling man and you had money on that Chiefs-Redskins game, oh, I feel bad for you if you had the bad beats. I mean, it was not pretty to see at the end that Bumble recover for a touchdown with like no time left. Oh, he don't get much worse than that. A lot of people lost some money on that. It was fun to see. It was fun to see the reactions from that just because people were like, oh, I just lost so much money. Or you are on the other end and you won so much money. So congrats or my condolences on your wallet, bank account, whatever it was for you. So... Looking at week four in general, though, you know, a lot of different things happened. You had the Cardinals, who basically had a kickoff against the 49ers, showing that the Cardinals probably aren't that team that we all were hoping they were going to be a few years ago. Three years ago, everybody was like, the Cardinals are going to be the team to beat. We're still waiting. Uh, Still waiting on that team that was supposed to be this offensive juggernaut, Bruce Arians, you know, offensive-minded genius. That defense was finally looking good. Honey Badger was a top, legit threat. He still is, but, I mean, the defense is the thing that's keeping them in games. Offense, Palmer, it looks like it might be uh, getting close to hanging up the cleats time out in Arizona. Enjoy that dry heat for those brittle bones of yours. Other big games that happened. Uh, The biggest one probably was the Panthers. Oh, James, all he talked about was the Panthers and how they're not that good. And I was starting to buy into it last week. I mean, they did not look good against the Saints. They lost. It wasn't pretty. Cam Newton, is he healthy? Well, questions are answered. Don't ask it if you're a female reporter, apparently, because Cam, if you didn't know, uh, was asked yesterday by a female reporter about wide receiver routes, and he laughed at her saying, huh, it's funny to hear a female ask that question. But what wasn't so funny for New England fans that past weekend in week four was the Panthers taking down the Patriots in Foxborough. 
Not only did Cam and the Panthers win, but they did it in Foxborough, where the Patriots had already lost once this year to the Chiefs. And every single game for the Patriots, they have to basically put up 35-plus points if they want a chance to win because their defense is just horrible. It is so bad. If there's one overreaction for the week, it's literally going to be what it was last week where my overreaction is going to be Matt Patricia will be fired after the Tampa Bay game tonight. Uh, If you're listening to this later, Matt Patricia has been fired by the Patriots already on Thursday night after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers put up another 30-plus point performance against New England's defense. I mean, you cannot keep giving up this many points. They've given up over 120 points in their first four games. They're the sixth worst defense in a bunch of different categories since like the merger. I mean, they're they're dead last ranked in defensive efficiency. Every single stat, they're the worst defense there is right now. And the only reason they are two and two and have the same record as the New York Jets. That's right. The New York Jets are two and two as well, Patriots. You are tied in your conference with the Jets. Who everybody thought was going to be 0 and 16, and they thought you were going to be 16 and 0. My, how things have changed. But yes, Patriots 2 and 2, mainly because Tom Brady, the GOAT, uh, has kept you in these games. And I even have to call him the GOAT because, oh, I mean, he's top three for me. Argue all you want. But just in general, if it wasn't for Tom Brady and his theatrics, especially in the week before against the Texans. Patriots be looking at one and three, and things would be going crazy in Foxborough right now. Heads would be rolling, I'm pretty sure. I still think Matt Patricia, or as my wife likes to call him, DJ Khaled's head will be rolling after Thursday night football against Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. Should be an interesting game. But, I mean, outside of that, you know, the Jets, as I said, two and two. They beat the Jags in overtime. Uh, Bengals finally got a win. Uh, You know who didn't get a win? The Giants. Oh, it makes my eagle heart happy to hear the Giants are still 0-4. Odo Beckham's crying. Eli Manning has that stupid Manning face. And uh, nobody's winning in New York, and it is fantastic. If you told me the Jets would have a better record than the Giants right now at the beginning of the season, I would have laughed in your face. Everybody thought it was going to be the Cowboys and the Giants fighting for the NFC East. Right now, it's the Eagles and Redskins. Yeah. Things are definitely not always what they seem like they're going to be. But the Giants being owned for is fantastic. Uh, you know, looking ahead, there are still four teams that are 0-4. You have the Giants. You have Cleveland. Shocker. You have the Chargers. And you have San Francisco. So three of those teams, probably expected to be there. One of them, not so much. Who's going to win? First out of those four teams, well, most likely it will be the Giants this week. I think they take on the Chargers. Uh, Let me just double-check that for my own sake because I don't want to give you the wrong information. That's not what we're here for. We're here to give you the sports stance. Yes, the Chargers and Giants face off in New York. I have a hard time believing that the Chargers are going to come in from the West Coast where even their home games are away games. Basically, if you didn't see, check it out. Go on Twitter. Go on Facebook. Find videos. Uh, Eagles. Fans took over that stadium that can only seat 27,000 and they blocked off seats and made that a home game. And the Chargers heard it. They felt it. It was not pretty. Uh, The Giants, though, are probably going to get their first one of the season because there's two 0-4 teams. One has to win. It'd be hilarious if they tied, but most likely one has to win. So outside of that, 
The only other thing I want to cover for week four was a thing we were going to do, James and I. It was going to be who's dead to me in fantasy. Thought it had a nice little ring to it. Uh, maybe we'll get a little audio intro for that at some point if it becomes a thing. Uh, who's dead to me in fantasy? Jason Witten. Uh, if you are a Jason Witten fan, if you have followed him through the years, he has been Mr. Consistent. He has been the guy that every week you can plug in. He's going to get you five catches. He's going to get you 40 yards. He might get you a touchdown. For a tight end, that's pretty good, whether you're in a PPR league or not. I mean, the guy is Mr. Reliable. He has the most receiving yards in Cowboys history now, uh, surpassing Michael Irvin a week or two ago. But a week or two ago, he was a whole different person. I was fine plugging him into my fantasy team. He was doing great for me. Since week three, dead to me. Why, you ask? Well, here's some stats for you. Jason Witten in weeks one and two, 17 catches, over 150 yards, two touchdowns. That's like number one receiver type stuff. I mean, that is good numbers. And if you're in a PPR league, that's even better numbers. So you're like, you know what? Dak loves Jason. They have a good connection. He's still what he's doing. He's Mr. Reliable. Okay, plug him in. Week three. Okay, he had one catch, three yards, no touchdowns. It happens. Everybody has, you know, a a shanky type game where... You know, things don't go that way. They drop a few balls here and there. It's fine. Plug them back in. What could go wrong? Week four, one catch, nine yards, no touchdowns. Jason Witten, dead to me. So if he's dead to you too, I mean, I would not probably plug him in this week. He's going against the Packers, who are 3-1. and one. I mean, Packers defense doesn't scare anybody, but hey, Clay Matthews, a little bit younger, a little bit quicker. Maybe Jason uh, doesn't get looked up much uh, if, you know, Clay's covering him, if you got anybody else covering him, because clearly Dak's not looking at him. So you have that not going for you. It doesn't seem like Dak wants to throw at anybody. Him and Zeke, Zeke finally looked back on track, but they lost to the Rams. They're 2-2, two and two, but they don't look like they're supposed to be a 2-2 two and two team anymore. They look like they should be a 1-3 and three team. It's just not pretty in Dallas, but I am loving it as an Eagles fan. As I said, they're 3-1 and one going in this week against... The Cardinals, who, uh, like I said, their offense, not so great. And, uh, yeah, we're going to see how they go. So that was week four. Uh, you know, a little bit of recap. I know it's late in the week. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, but in general, uh, dead to me in fantasy, like I said, Jason Witten. So if you're playing even daily fantasy where you're putting money down, I wouldn't plug Jason Witten in even as a cheap choice because I don't need to get zero points or one point only out of him. You need at least five or six points out of your tight ends in daily fantasy to get that money. But enough about football. We're going to stop talking about football. We're not going to cover basketball because not much happened. It's just preseason. uh, And anything that big that did happen, we will wait for James because basketball is his life. I mean, I get Snapchats from the guy that shows his NBA 2K player character hanging out with his Bitmoji character, all doing basketball type stuff. I mean, the guy lives, breathes for basketball, especially Celtics basketball. I'm pretty sure he's probably just curled up right now in a ball feeling not so great with his Kyrie Irving New Jersey that I'm sure he's purchased. Because if you're a Celtics fan, you didn't buy Kyrie Irving Jersey already. I mean, are you really a fan? Can you call yourself a fan? You either have that or Gordon Hayward because only four guys from the team last year returned. And I mean, unless you're a really big Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart fan, um, or uh, Horford, I don't even know who the fourth guy that's returning for them is. Uh, you probably don't have those jerseys. Let's just be honest. 
But, you know, I've spent a good amount of time talking about football. Let's get into baseball. Maybe this will be a 30-minute episode because I am just ranting and raving and going on in a lot of different directions. That's what I do. When you are by yourself podcasting in a room with nobody else around except your puppy, well, she can't really give commentary, so it's all up to me. And you know what? I think I give great commentary. And if you don't think so, let me know in reviews. Remember, we are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. Leave comments. Leave your sports stance. Follow us on Twitter at sports stance underscore. I really enjoy when guys start talking to me, responding, giving back their ideas, thoughts about every different type of thing. Um, but yeah, so make sure to check us out. Review us. Let us know what you think about the sports dance podcast. That was my little interlude into MLB playoffs. So playoffs are here it is october baseball and oh man the wild card games have set us up for a nice little run into the playoffs into the divisional series first on tuesday night we had the yankees and the twins and if you watched the top of that first inning you were like the twins are gonna do it the twins are gonna get over their yankee postseason hump and move on to the alds and take down the young bombers as they're now referred to by yankee fans and, uh, you know, it was 3-0. Severino didn't look like an ace. And if that's what your ace looks like in October, well, uh, good luck facing the Indians. Because the Yankees came back and won after being down 3-0 in the top of the first. They scored three runs in the bottom of the first. Basically, from then on out, it was game over. Yanks won 8-4 uh, in a very long game. It was a four-hour game, which after those first few innings, not much happened. Joe Girardi has a special skill, people. He knows how to elongate games, mainly because he just likes to take mound visits, get his bullpen ready, switch like six or seven guys in if he has to, because that's just how Joe Girardi is. That's why Yankee Red Sox games, I think, take so long, or every Yankee game. I really just blame Girardi, plain and simple. But the Yankees won. They're going to face Cleveland. We will talk about it in a second. But another really quick thing, Yankee Stadium. Welcome back to... Uh, Seeming like an actual stadium that has fans that care about the Yankees. That place was packed. It was making noise. I don't know if the Yankees lowered ticket prices, what they did. But they actually had fans in the stadium. It didn't look like it was three quarters or half full. It was full, 100% capacity. That place was rocking. Even as a Red Sox fan, it makes me feel good to see the Yankees fans back in action. Because if you're going to play a Yankee stadium, you want it to be loud. I mean, Fenway's loud. Every other stadium that has teams that have passionate fan bases are loud. Yankees the past few seasons didn't have that. And I blame the front office and their pricing of tickets. That's my little rant on the Yankees and their ticket pricing. Anyway, the other wild card game, the National League happened last night. And oh man, was it a doozy. The Diamondbacks and Rockies put up numbers. I thought 8-4 was a big scoring game for two teams in the wild card. Oh, no, no, no. It was 11-8 to out in Arizona. I mean, these guys were cranking in runs. The Diamondbacks, you know, came out strong. They put up six runs in the first three innings. So you're thinking, six runs, six nothing. It's playoff baseball. Zach Greinke was on the mound. He was 13-1 and at home. I'll repeat that again. 13-1. and He was unhittable, basically, at home this year. And then... Colorado was like, oh, hey, 
There's a one-game wildcard playoff. Let's start getting some runs. Let's start getting some hits. And that is what they did on the top of the board. They put up four runs on the board to cut the lead down to 6-4 for Arizona. And at that point, people were like, hey, don't forget, Colorado has a huge offense. I mean, they had Blackman, who was the, uh, I believe, National League batting title champion this year. I forget what his average is, but he could hit. Yeah, uh, Carlos Gonzalez, Gonzo, who's finally hitting again. You had Arenado, who most likely could be your National League MVP that could hit. You had Trevor Story, who could hit. And hit, they all did. I mean, these guys were hitting doubles, homers. I mean, the offense showed up. I mean, you put up eight runs, you most likely win a game. That is unless you are the Diamondbacks and you are getting guys like Paul Goldschmidt, who is the other National League MVP candidate most likely to win, putting up three RBIs, getting hits here and there. J.D. Martinez, who has been on a hot streak, didn't even get a hit, but he was going crazy. You had uh, Lamb with four hits. I mean, guys are putting up big numbers, doing what they had to do, putting it all on the line. And if you want to talk about putting it all on the line, just look at the Diamondbacks pitcher. Uh, Bradley, Archie Bradley, the bearded maniac who, uh, if you didn't see, tripled last night in two runs. And man, he was celebrating on third base. It was awesome. Fantastic time. The Diamondbacks won 11-8. They're going to go on to face the Dodgers. And so speaking of the divisional series now, we're going to get into it. I have James's picks. So I know some of you were stressing. You were like, Greg. I trust your picks. I need to hear your picks. But James, what is he thinking? What are James's thoughts on the divisional series? Well, I have little notes for you from James. He can't speak that well right now, but he was like, you need to let the people know what I think. And I was like, I got you covered. That's what podcast co-hosts are for. A uh, little bit about how the stuff made. You know, we text message each other, you know, letting know each other's thoughts, feelings about different things. I got James's feelings on the divisional series so let's just get right into it and we will start with you know we'll start with the national league you know american league went first in wild card but national league went second so we're going to reverse it national league is up first so the series are diamondbacks dodgers and the cubs versus the nationals so i am going to break down the diamondbacks dodgers first when i say breakdown i'm going to give like a minute minute and a half two minutes on each thing why I think the team I'm choosing is going to win how many games there. So therefore, and then next week we'll probably hopefully be able to break down the ALCS NLCS matchups. And yeah, so stick with me. Diamondbacks Dodgers. Who do you think I'm going to go with? You think it's going to be the Dodgers? I mean, the Dodgers had a dominating season. They looked really good except for that one little stretch all year long. But there was something about the Dodgers in the playoffs that I just don't like. I mean, yeah, you put up 104 wins in the regular season. Very impressive. I will give you that. But Kershaw is terrible in the postseason. I don't know what it is about certain aces that are amazing in the regular season. Kershaw, Price, uh, you look at those guys, their postseason track records, ugly. Not pretty at all. And I think that continues. The Dodgers starting pitching was a bit shaky. I mean, yeah, you have you Darvish now. Uh, let's see how he handles and how he holds up health-wise. He was not the best this year. But I think overall the Diamondbacks win this series in five and shock everybody a little bit. I don't think it'll be a huge shocker, but I think it'll be a little bit shocking. 
The reason being, the Diamondbacks have a really good offense. They're sneaky good. They have Paul Goldschmidt. Like I said, J.D. Martinez was on a tear once he got traded to the Diamondbacks. He was hitting homers like crazy. 16 home runs in September, which is tied a National League record. But in general, I mean, Zach Greinke will probably be on the mound game two. So if you can somehow get game one in the bag, you get game two with Greinke on the mound and he comes back strong and bounces back from his wild card if you start. You could be looking at a 2-0 lead going home for two games. I still think the Dodgers at least take one at home at least of the first two, take one in Arizona. I think that's it though. The Dodgers are just not a playoff team. They have not shown me anything over the past few years that make me think anything different. It's like looking at the Cowboys in the NFL. They make the playoffs. Nobody expects them to go anywhere now. They just are the team that, like, you're good enough to make it, but you're not good enough to keep going. And that's what the Dodgers are to me. James, on the other hand, though, likes the Dodgers. He thinks they're going to take down the Diamondbacks. I mean, he believes in Kershaw. He believes in that whole team, I guess, uh... I can name a bunch of guys, but it doesn't matter. I mean, what are you going to say? The Silver Fox is going to, you know, save the day. Uh, Curtis Granderson is going to provide that spark once they got him from the Mets. No, I mean, James, you're not here to argue with me, so I can say whatever I want, basically. So, but James liked the Dodgers over the D-backs. Next series, Cubs-Nationals. This is the series everybody wants to watch. You have the reigning World Series champions. Both teams are young, hungry for playoff success. The Cubs want to keep building off of last year's major success, breaking the curse, showing that it wasn't just a one-year, one-and-done one type thing. And the Nationals are that team that every single year, the past few years, have been winning the NL East. Top team, really know, showing that they're a team to mess with. Good rotation, good offense, but injuries. Injuries are killing them. I mean, he had eaten go down at the beginning of the year. We didn't know if Harper was going to be back after he extended his knee in an odd way. And now you have Max Scherzer, your ace, most likely NL Cy Young Award winner this year again, who hurt his hamstring in his last start. They don't know when he's going to go. They have confidence he'll go in one of the first three games. But still, luckily you have Strasburg to throw in. You have Gio Gonzalez to throw in. But overall, do they have a good shot? Yes. I think the Nationals, sorry, Cubby fans, you're not going to like this. Nationals are going to take this series in four games. Reason being, starting pitching. I mean, their starting pitching is just that much better this year than the Cubs. Cubs starting pitching has been iffy. Their offense, while good at times, still don't have full confidence in the Chicago Cubs offense. They did not win the division like most expected them to this year. It really wasn't until the end where they kind of turned it on. They only won 92 games. I kind of thought they were going to get closer to 100. But Arietta is your game four starter. I mean, that just shows where he's gone from since 2015. You have Lester, who he can't throw a pickoff move to save his life. And the Nationals can run. I mean, they can just run all over you. Um, game one starter, Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, he might be able to give a challenge. But he's facing Strasburg, who was completely dominant in all of September, I expect that to continue October. He's going to get, you know, another chance to show his postseason prowess. And then at some point, you got Scherzer getting thrown in there. And at that point, I think series is done. Harper is back. He's healthy. He's going to be playing full games. I think the Nationals take this. I think they take it in four. Again, sorry, Cubby fans. You got your World Series, though, so at least you shouldn't be that sad. And 
there actually will be a next year for you. So there's that. James, on the other hand, though, does think it's a coin toss. He thinks it can go either way. He's not really sure who to go with in this one. He does like stuff on both sides. He likes Rizzo. He likes Bryant. But, you know, Harper coming back healthy. Who knows what that could do if he's at the top of his game. I think James would agree. Give it to the Nationals. The rotation's better. But he has it as a coin toss. And that is the National League Division Series. So I have uh, D-backs and Nationals. James has Dodgers and coin flip. On to the American League. So American League. Don't worry, folks. If you're hung with me this long, you got maybe six more minutes left. Just you, you can push it. You can push through. I believe in you. American League. All right. American League. I know a little bit more. I'm not going to lie. Could be because I'm a Red Sox fan. Could be because I'm a little biased towards the Red Sox completely. I follow them basically year round. Uh, and so is James. That's what happens when you got two guys from Massachusetts doing this. But anyway, let's get to the American League series. You have the Yankees in Cleveland, Sox and Astros. And when I say Sox, I mean Red Sox, White Sox fans. You know you're not in the playoffs. You guys are horrible. Anyway, so Yankees, Cleveland. Plain and simple. Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland's going to win this series. They could do it in three games. This could be a clean sweep. It wouldn't shock me at all, mainly because, I mean, Cleveland's just that good. I mean, they went on the run at the end of the year, but in general, they have great starting pitching. They have great bullpens. Their offense is somewhat better this year. And by somewhat, I mean their offense actually can, like, have some power guys in the middle. They have Encarnacion. They have Bruce now. It's just they look really, really good. And Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer, and Carlos Carrasco are a dominant first three starters. And Yankees, you got the Young Bombers. I get it. Aaron Judge had a good first postseason game, hit home runs, did what Aaron Judge is supposed to do, all rise, all that good stuff. But it stops here. I don't see you going further. And the funny thing about it to me is the Yankees, as the AL wildcard team, has been given a better chance of winning the World Series than the Red Sox, who won the AL East, which I don't know how you do that. They have apparently, the, according to ESPN, they think the Yankees have the fourth best roster, third best offensive ranked team, and that just it just makes no sense to me. But whatever. You know, they're not going to get to the ALCS they're not going to get past Cleveland. That pitching is just way too good. That bullpen is just way too good. Uh, Chapman in the bullpen won't be even a factor for the Yankees because they're not going to get to him. They're not going to need him. Cleveland's going to win this. Clean sweep. Uh, James agrees. He does, though, give the Yankees a shot. In his own words, James said, the Yankees are unnervingly frisky. Uh, I can only take that as he thinks they're a feisty group that, you know, they're going to clap scratch and claw their way probably to a win or two. Could they take down the Indians? They're getting a 40% chance to do so uh, around there. And, you know, it is baseball. Things happen. Joe Girardi is a smart manager. I will give him that. He does play matchups pretty well. Overall, though, just don't see it happening. And I just threw my pen at the mic. I am sorry for that. Uh, I do have Cleveland, like I said, in the sweep. 3 nothing. Again, offense, defense, pitching, all just way better than the Yankees. They're moving on to the ALCS like they should, uh, trying to get revenge for last year's World Series loss. To the Sox and Astros. So this is the series I will follow the most closely. Like I said, I am a Red Sox fan. So is James. 
Not shockingly, James and I both think the Red Sox are going to win. Carlos homers. That's fine. But you got to have faith in your team. Unbiasedly looking at this, it's a coin toss. I mean, Astros, Sox, both pretty good teams. Both have pitchers at the front end that can do work. You have Sox with Sale and Pomeranz, who had a surprisingly sneaky good season, versus Verlander and uh, Kubel. Kubel, I can't think of how. Kluber and all those names all got me confused. Um, him, Verlander in Dallas, that's what I'll say. And uh, so, you know, game one and two are toss-up. Games three and four, it's, I mean, it's anybody's game. It just depends on whose offense more so shows up. Red Sox offense is considered the worst out of all the teams in the postseason. Mainly that's because their lack of home run numbers, all those different things. But if I'm looking at it, they did pretty decently without uh, David Ortiz for the first time ever. They didn't have his bat in the lineup. It's a big bat to lose. It's 40 around 35, 40 home runs a year. That makes a difference, you know, but they pulled it out. They did what they had to do. They scratched the grind. They stole bases and they won the division and that shouldn't be overlooked. The Astros on the other hand, also a very good team. Uh, you know, most likely in my opinion, have the American league MVP in Jose Altuve, but overall, I think when it comes down to it, the Red Sox and that team just has a lot of postseason experience. They know what to do when they get there. You know, they have David Price in the bullpen, who is going to be the X factor because Price said it in relief situations in the postseason. Fine. Perfect. Dominant. Put him in the starting role. He's a little iffy. So I'm going to be excited to see him come out of the bullpen. We have one of the best closers in the league um, in general. So I think overall, Sox are going to take it. I'm going to say it's going to go five. I think it goes five games. I wish it didn't because, you know, it stresses me as a fan. and But it gives me enjoyment as a fan of the sport in general. I like to see series go full games. I like to see that last game where it's winner take all and what teams do to try to get that competitive edge. But overall, my four teams advancing. Again, NL, AL sides, and James are. I have Cleveland, Red Sox, D-backs, Nationals. James has Cleveland, potentially Yankees because they're unnervingly frisky. Uh, but he more so has Cleveland, Sox, and then Dodgers and coin toss. I'm just going to leave it at coin toss until James can speak for himself. But most likely whoever wins, he's going to say that's who he was favoring because I know James, that's what he's going to do. But you made it. It's the end of the episode. Uh, you know, you stuck it out with me for 30 plus minutes. I appreciate it. I ranted, I raved, I talked, I can't feel my throat anymore because I've literally just been speaking to myself for, as I said, 30 plus minutes, but I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys listening. Don't forget, subscribe, have a good week five. Don't trust Jason Witten. Uh, let's all cheer for the Giants, hopefully going 0-5, even though they probably won't. And um, Matt Patricia, like I said, enjoy your last night as defensive coordinator for the Patriots. The Sports Dance.